This is the Talk of the Town. From Morgantown to Clarksburg, if it's happening, we're talking about it. Call the show toll-free at 1-800-765-8255. Now, here is your host for the Talk of the Town, Dave Wilson. Good morning and welcome into the program. We've got a lot to cover today. Busy edition of Talk of the Town. Unlike some shows where it's not so busy. Uh, 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK-304 is the text line. Marion County Delegate Joey Garcia will join us bottom of the hour. The House has been very busy the last couple of days. Uh, We'll talk about some of the bills that are moving, some of the bills that will be up for passage, some of the bills that have been passed in the House. Delegates coming up bottom of the hour. First half of the show, though, we're going to be talking about the Renaissance Academy and the model for the Renaissance Academy because recently a group of Montague County educators, I think about 60, made the trip over to Leesburg, Virginia to take a look at the Academies of Loudoun, which is kind of serving as a model for the proposed Renaissance Academy here in Montague County. So joining me in studio this morning, please welcome Montague County Schools Superintendent Eddie Campbell. Eddie, good morning. Thanks for coming by. Let me see. Let me get that. Uh, give me another good morning there as I hit the right button this time. <laughs> good morning, yep. Dave. It's always a pleasure being here with you. <laughs> Appreciate you coming by. So you took a field trip to Leesburg. We did. What was the objective? Um, well, uh, one of the things we wanted to do was to expose uh, more of our staff, particularly our teaching staff, um, to a facility that looks very different uh, than a traditional 9 through 12 uh, high school or a six through eight middle school, um, and to see it to see it actually uh, in action, um, so that they could witness uh, the 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 learning that was going on, the type of instruction uh, that was going on in a in a facility, a structure that looks very different than what they're accustomed to seeing. So, if you can paint the picture on radio, kind of describe this facility in Loudoun County. Um, I've been on the website, I've looked at the pictures, I've read about it, but in your own description, what, what did you see? What, what are they doing over there in Leesburg? You know, the, the, the term that they use um, that uh, I've kind of stolen uh, for, for what, we, what we're talking about here doing in Montague County is the, the concept of intentional collisions. Um, you know, they're, they're bringing kids together. Uh, in the STEM fields, um, in the career and technical education fields, and they're putting them in a a learning environment that uh, enhances the possibilities for collaboration. Um, It's it's open. It's visually open. Um, It's it's got collaborative spaces throughout the facility. Um, uh, there, There aren't traditional classrooms. Everything's a lab or a studio or uh, a work uh, workstation, and so it it much more resembles a a true work environment than it does a traditional looking school. So, did did you get an opportunity to I don't shadow some students, sit in on some classes um, or or labs or whatever they're called? Did, what what did you experience? Well, we uh, we. I've been there several times myself, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but with this particular trip, uh, we met with the principal um, the, when we arrived, and uh, she gave us a, uh, an overview of the facility. Now, uh, the, the, the good thing about talk, getting to talk to uh, Dr. Pretty, who's the principal there, 
Um, she actually was has been on the ground level. She helped design the building. Um, she's designed the programming, and um, uh, she she's really done this all over the world, um, uh, designing STEM career technical education type facilities. So we had a chance to talk to her, and then she took us on a tour uh, of the facility. And again, the, the beauty of the structure itself is that uh, everything is very open, uh, lots of glass. Um, you can observe classrooms without actually walking into the classroom and disturbing, disturbing what's going on. Uh, and what we saw was incredible. Um, we didn't see teachers uh, providing direct instruction. In fact, we didn't see one instructor uh, or, or educator providing some form of direct instruction. Kids were engaged in collaborative groups. They were working with teachers individually um, on projects uh, that they designed. And so we had the opportunity to do that. Uh, and then finally, we got back together with Dr. Pretty, and we were all able to ask her questions that popped up from the tour. What kind of questions did you have? Uh, people wanted to talk about uh, what the schedules look like, um, things as, as basic as, as busing and transportation, um, uh, what does the lunch model look like, um, discipline, are there discipline problems in the school, what's your attendance like. Um, so lots of things that are on teachers' minds, especially current topics. Uh, you know, you talk about big topics like discipline. Um, the legislature's dealing with a lot of things related to, to school discipline that we're running into um, the attendance issues that we run into. So teachers had a lot of those questions on their mind and how this environment for learning was different and addressed some of those things. Talking to uh, Montague County Schools Superintendent Eddie Campbell, how do they measure success? Because this facility opened in 2018 in Loudoun County, so they've got several years now of students coming through there. Are they, are they going to work? or Have they been able to keep track of them? Are they going to work? Are they going to uh, on to universities to you know, continue the programs they started there? I know that's kind of an ambiguous question, but, no, but it's how a, are they it, keeping, it, keeping it, track? It, it, it's a great question, and, and uh, you know, she actually addressed that. Dr. Pretty actually addressed that with us a little bit. Um, uh, the, again, the, the model is very similar to what we're looking for. Um, it's, it's a model that is intended to serve all students. And so they do keep track of students uh, that, that are going off to college uh, that attend the school. Uh, they keep track of the, the students who go directly into the workforce. Um, the, the other critical piece to their school, which, again, is something that, that we want to model uh, here in Montegalia County, is their partnerships with industry and the relationship that they have with industry. And so she talked a lot about the dialogue between the school and uh, local industry and how they work together uh, to produce a pipeline of employees uh, for, for when, these people when these kids complete these programs. They have opportunities to go directly into the workforce uh, and make good money. Uh, they, they, these aren't... Uh, these aren't you know, low-paying uh, manual labor jobs that, that these types of students are, are walking into. Um, these are jobs that demand a high skill set, uh, and they're serving that community by doing that. And so they do keep those statistics. Did they experience 
an improvement. And I don't know what the baseline in Loudoun County is, did, but did they see an improvement in attendance, in discipline as students operated in this, I don't want to call it an alternative uh, learning environment, that, that has a negative connotation, but in this new learning environment? Well, they, they do, uh, and uh, she did address that with us. Um, from a behavioral standpoint, um, uh, they, have, they have zero behavior issues in the, in the school. Um, the, the kids are engaged. Um, you know, she, she talked about the, the, the discipline piece of it, um, that uh, you know, they, they just don't address discipline problems in the, in the school um, because of the fact that kids are so engaged in what they're doing. Um, their attendance is nearly 100% every day. Um, the, the kids that are signed up to be there, and they have a huge waiting list to get into this, uh, to, to get into this program. Maybe I might have a couple of these chicken or the egg questions, and here's one of them. Is that a result of the, the programs and the curricula and um, how they, your, that facility is approaching the educational experience, or is that a result of students attending that school who would probably already be coming to school almost every day of the year who already would not be having discipline issues? Well, I, it might be a little bit of both, but but I definitely think the environment is is highly conducive um, to those kids being more engaged. We hear all the time. I have we have focus groups uh, as we talked about the Renaissance Academy and the design. We had focus groups with with students from all walks of life, um, and are uh, are more advanced students who are planning to go to universities and and study engineering or medicine or law whatever it is that they have in in their minds um, you know w- one of the things that they talked to us about was kids learn differently now mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes they they're not even engaged at the level that they really want to be engaged um, because they don't want to walk into a traditional classroom and sit at a desk for 90 minutes, um, like sometimes we see in the traditional models. And so I, I think the, the environment that we're talking about in these other settings um, is, is much more conducive to what our youth want to see and the way that they want to learn. Um, and just because we have straight-A students, and, and, and we see this, we track this, we have a lot of kids who are really good academically, their attendance isn't necessarily the greatest, um, and it's they sometimes feel like they don't need to be there. The, they can get done what they need to get done to get the grades that they need to get, and they don't need to be in the school setting. Um, kids need to want to be there, and uh, when we were at the academies of Loudoun and uh, had a chance to talk to a couple of, of students that were there, um, they express that desire to be there every day to be because they're they're doing hands-on things. They're engaged in activities and projects and things that are of interest to them, um, and that that they're doing because they believe it serves their community. Talking to Montague County School Superintendent uh, Eddie Campbell, uh, a delegation or contingent uh, recently took a trip over to Loudoun County to visit the Academies of Loudoun, which is serving as a model for the proposed Renaissance Academy here. Um, did you ask about how they got this off the ground? Because from what I understand, it took a little bit to get voters on board in Loudoun County. But um, how did they get this school up and running there in Leesburg? 
Uh, and Dr. Pretty did talk to us about that. It, it was a it was an effort uh, for them to really do. Now their circumstances were a little different. Um, they were losing some of their student population uh, to a neighboring county, Fairfax County, mm-hmm. and so you know, their their school board felt the need to really address that that issue. And and they tried a couple different ways uh, before they actually went to the idea of creating a, a, a different type of school itself. Um, they tried to embed some of these things in their local their local high schools, um, but they, they, they just weren't seeing the buy-in from the students and, and from the parents. And so ultimately they went to, um, we're, we're just going to have to create a school to compete uh, that will compete with our neighboring school system. And so, so th- that's really the, the approach that they took. Um, it did take, I think she told us that, uh, that the, their bond ran five times before it passed. Um, and that, that really ultimately it was the, the community itself understanding the need for this type of facility to create that pipeline uh, for the workforce. They weren't able to staff some of the jobs in that area especially um, um, data and IT. That's mm-hmm. a big data and IT oh, area. Yeah. And so, you know, they weren't, they weren't having people to fill those positions and those jobs. And so that was addressed with the school board, uh, and they created that partnership. Um, and, uh, and once that passed, uh, I mean, the, the school is, is full. She's got a waiting list every year uh, for kids to get into, to get into those programs. Got to take a break, but uh, we're going to continue the conversation because now I want to know how you – Apply what you've learned. See what I did there? See what I did there? I do. I do. <laughs> it's 920. We're back with uh, Mon County Superintendent Eddie Campbell. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. Monongay County uh, almost called him a delegate. Superintendent Eddie Campbell joining me in studio uh, through 930. I don't know. Would you want to be a delegate? Uh, don't call me names now, Dave. <laughs> I've been called worse, but don't call me names. All right. Uh, delegate Joey Garcia from Marion County will join us here at the bottom of the hour. Okay. Um, so you visited the academies of Loudoun. So what did you take away now that you can apply here in Monongalia County? I, again, I, I think the the purpose for us was was really to – have our teachers exposed uh, and and be able to see that, and then come back and share that with their colleagues. Um, you know, we feel very strongly um, that uh, that that the community is very receptive to the idea. We don't think that we're fighting that battle. Um, uh, the 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 concept uh, in itself alone is attractive to teachers, to parents, to students, to our industry partners. Uh, we we feel like there's a need here. Um, uh, back in 2020, when when this vision, you know, pen got put to paper with the Comprehensive Educational Facilities Plan, that was a 50-member committee that was composed uh, of just those constituents, parents, community members, uh, industry partners, educators, um, uh, and that was their number one priority. Um, uh, we need to advance uh, the educational system here in Montgomery County. And it needs to be a future-focused environment. Um, and that's not something that, that we can necessarily replicate at the level that we need to uh, in u- using the current model. 
Um, and uh, this doesn't strip away from, from what we're doing and what we've accomplished. It enhances what we're doing. And so, you know, that, that's really the direction that, that we want to go with this. We didn't go to a, the academies uh, of Loudoun to mirror exactly what they mm-hmm. do. Uh, in fact, their vision is very different than our vision. Um, and so we went to, to expose people to a, a different type of educational environment um, that we would like to bring back to Montegay County for our students here. One of the questions I've been asked, you've probably been asked as well, West Virginia has, I think, 1,700 teaching vacancies right now. We can't fill all the vacancies we, are, we already have. So if you add a new high school, where do you find that personnel? Where do you find those teachers when we already can't fill the vacancies we have in the, in the state? I, and that's a, it's a great question. I get it all the time. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I'm on the speaking circuit now, so I, <laughs> I do get it uh, probably every place I go. Um, you know, first and foremost – this is, not necess- this is not a fourth high school. Uh, it's, a, it's an additional facility. So all of the programs that are currently housed at our MTEC uh, will, would be transferred to this. And so those teachers would, would follow. Um, so uh, that's really not an issue. And then your STEM classes, uh, again, you're housing those STEM classes at this facility you're still going to have uh, uh, students who are at the regular high schools where those those classes would be staffed, but we'll have teachers that will follow those students as well to the new facility. So that's not necessarily an addition. Um, now, the other piece to that is some of these positions, uh, some of these programs are, are highly advanced, and that's where our industry partners come into play, uh, working directly with our industry partners to get support um, from uh, an instructional standpoint, um, curriculum, um, providing that instruction and partnering with, uh, with our teachers. And the, the third piece to that is we really feel like this is going to attract educators to Montingalia County, um, folks who really want to uh, be in a high-level STEM career technical education uh, program um, they're going to be interested in, in working in an environment like this. And so, so we feel like it's going to be a draw for educators. One thing you mentioned there that I want to come back to, because I think it's important to point out, if I understand you correctly, the, the Renaissance Academy won't be starting programs from scratch. Let me, I don't know, uh, the, let's say Auto Tech from, from the, uh, the M-Tech Center. You're, that moves to this facility with the idea now you have you can expand i would assume at, at this facility so you're not starting completely from scratch do i am, are we on the same page you are absolutely okay. correct and that's a great example um, so w- what we would what we would have in the new facility using your example of auto tech uh, is a a workspace uh, one that's bigger so we can serve more students and two is more technologically advanced um, uh, all of the equipment would be brand new. It would be state-of-the-art, um, top of the line, um, so that our kids can be working with equipment that they would use actually out in the, in the field. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, there's, there's really nothing wrong with M-Tech, but, but think about it. M-Tech is 40 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's a technical education center. So uh, to bring in... Uh, to that facility, to, to bring into the new facility 
modern equipment, modern workspace, really benefits our students. Talking to Montague County School Superintendent uh, Eddie Campbell. What about, okay, with the new equipment, the state-of-the-art equipment, is that factored into the the construction cost that we're talking about with the bond uh, the bond levy that is on the that will be on the ballot in May that's all factored into that it it, it is okay. uh, all of the equipment is factored into the cost of the facility um, uh, we have looked at and uh, and and if you actually uh, you know spent wanted to spend the time to read the actual referendum itself uh, which, I I have actually <laughs> <laughs> you must have been really bored Dave it was a slow day uh, uh, yeah because um, uh, you need about an hour I think to get yeah. through it. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you can read in there that, that uh, the school system's looking at also lease purchasing uh, some of the high-level equipment uh, as well. Um, one of our goals is to make sure that that facility does not become outdated, and that's been part of the design, is that that, that will maintain its functionality uh, and adaptability as programs change and as needs change in the workforce and in STEM education uh, that we can adapt things on the fly. Do you have an idea or a cost estimate yet on operating this facility, and how will that be factored into future school budgets for, for the county? Well, I, th I think one of the important things to talk about is that uh, our goal, um, and, and we have expressed this to our architects, uh, and it will be part of the, uh, the, the construction uh, goals for the school, uh, is that we want this to be a net zero facility. Um, uh, that, uh, that the cost of utilities um, and things of that nature will be paid for. So we're looking at, uh, at wind energy, solar energy. We looked at geothermal, but the, the site is not conducive to, to geo, uh, geothermal. Um, so th that's our goal, uh, is to, to, to do that. Um, in fact, what they've told us is that there's a possibility that we would actually even be able to turn some of those dollars around and lower uh, our costs for energy uh, at some of our other schools. Hmm. I want to have you back because I want to talk more. I have a whole other page of questions, uh, but I want to talk more about this, obviously, leading up to uh, the May 14th primary because, as I've said before, I think it's a very, very interesting concept. And uh, i got more questions. So will you come back again? Absolutely. Right. I'll, I'll come back anytime you want me to, Dave. I always enjoy it. Montague County School Superintendent Eddie Campbell, I'll see you in Charleston in a couple weeks down at the uh, basketball tournaments, right? Uh, let, you going to come down and let, visit? Let's, uh, let's hope I've got teams down there. <laughs> you bet, I know I you will. You better have some teams I know down I will. There. Eddie, I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dave. Coming up, we'll talk to Marion County Delegate Joey Garcia next. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town. I will get to some of your texts coming up next segment. Joining us now from the state capitol, where things are getting busier by the day, Marion County Delegate Joey Garcia joins us. Uh, Joey, good morning. Thanks for coming by. Hey, Dave. Good to be with you. Uh, it's been a busy couple of days at the House. Uh, where do you want to start? How about that? Uh, we can. Uh, there's a bunch of places to start, I guess. I mean, it's been crazy. I don't know. I've been through a session before that has 
so many bills that are uh, really pretty controversial. Uh, but I guess it's an election year. But I, you know, I guess the the one that we've got on the agenda today on third reading is uh, the bill I would I would term kindergarten carry. Uh, we've we've had a number of different bills related to. Uh, guns over the years, and 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 certainly I I support the Second Amendment, but uh, I think we're we're going a little bit far with this bill that would permit uh, teachers in schools with as little as 24 hours of training to carry a concealed weapon, and uh, and we've heard a lot of uh, concerns from parents and students even uh, about about this, but that bill's uh, got some amendments today, and then it's going to be up for passage in the House of Delegates. That is. Is, I've got the number, actually, House Bill uh, 4299. Is there – I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're opposed to the bill, Joey. Um, but are there, are there <laughs> any circumstances in which you would support a bill like this? And if there are, what are they? So we've already passed a bill that um, relates to school um, – really expansion of school resource officers. And and that bill I did support. And it it provided that um, persons who had been law enforcement officers, I think they had to have experience of, of approximately 10 years, or military members, uh, who, who we know would have an understanding, a respect, and experience in situations related to the use of firearms. Um, that I thought was something that um, certainly uh, was was a much better model. Um, those individuals have to have, I think, a, a lot of training. Uh, in this instance, again, if you get your concealed carry, which I think you can do in an afternoon, and then do uh, 24 hours worth of training, uh, then all of a sudden you get to carry concealed uh, in a school. <laughs> and I think that's that's a little – too far, especially with the fact there have been a number of incidents in, in schools all over the country where uh, somebody, you know, is going to the bathroom and, and might leave the gun out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just the possibility of accidents or, or other things that can happen. And I don't think parents are calling for this right now. I really don't. Yeah, I, I would be more comfortable with much more required training. But also, I brought this up a couple of times, both on this show and when I was filling in for Hoppy. Anytime you introduce a firearm into a situation there is no margin of error mistakes are fatal and that i got to think long and hard before introducing a firearm into a situation where if a mistake is made the consequences are dire more of a comment than a question to you joey but that's some of the trepidation that even i would have with this bill hi i do have with this bill well and i i I think you're Exactly right with that, uh, and I, and I think the impetus behind it is the fact that we've seen uh, school shootings all over the United States, and, and it's incredibly tragic. And we've been very fortunate that we have not had one of these um, actually committed here in West Virginia. Um, and so I understand uh, certainly the concerns that people have, uh, but I, I think. The, what this creates, uh, like you, like you just explained, is a situation um, that I think is much more likely to happen that could end in a real tragedy. Also, Marion County Delegate uh, Joey Garcia joining us. I wanted to ask you about a couple of bills that came through House Judiciary, uh, which you are the minority chair on that committee. Um, 
In particular, House Bill 5621, honestly, I didn't, this was not on my radar, but this bill would uh, prevent employees who defend themselves from attacks in the workplace from being fired. Uh, The committee worked on this bill a little bit. So where did this come from and what was the result from the committee's work? So um, we passed this bill out. The interesting thing about it, and (coughs) I mean, this is an employee rights bill, and um, in West Virginia, there was a case called Feliciano back in 2003, and it provided that there is a substantial public policy for an employee to defend himself. And in that case, there was a guy at 7-Eleven, I think it was in South Charleston, that was held up at, um, at the gas station, and he defended himself. Uh, or I, I don't know if it was he or she, but the person defended himself, and uh, they got fired. And and so the Supreme Court's held that there is this public policy. I think this enshrines that public policy. I think it makes it a little bit stronger, too. But also the work that was done in the committee um, uh, was to make sure that, for example, if there are two employees and they're you know fighting back and forth and it's hard for the employer to tell which one, maybe instigated it, <coughs> that you, you know, you don't run into situations um, that can really be abused. But at the end of the day, I think this is very important. I mean, if somebody is, is on the verge of getting assaulted um, of, of somebody, and we made it very clear, it has to be a physical attack or um, imminent physical attack, really, uh, that they don't have to worry about losing their job um, if they defend themselves the way that they should be able to do at any other point in their life. Another bill that came through the Judiciary Committee, um, prohibiting publishing mugshots. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know this was a problem, publishing uh, criminal mugshots, but here we are. You know, this is, this is a bill that we've worked through. Um, I joined it as a sponsor, and I think and they're, they're – um, this is an issue that I've seen as a, a practitioner of criminal law, uh, criminal defense law, where you know you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But we see often when someone gets arrested, um, these mug shots, which are somebody's photo at the worst point in their life, right? You know, it's it's somebody. Um, uh, you know, those photos are used uh, potentially in ways by these um, pay to remove websites. And there are websites that, that almost, uh, you know, tell somebody, okay, we'll take this down if you pay us mm-hmm. to take it down. And it's meant only to threaten and, and, uh, uh, and really, uh, you know, abuse somebody um, in such a way. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean they've been convicted of a crime. And I think that's where um, this bill that we have, it states that – and there's a number of different exceptions where you could release – uh, a mugshot photo, but in in most cases, prior to somebody being convicted, they wouldn't be a public record anymore. That doesn't mean that you couldn't have uh, photos that are taken by the press when someone's coming to an arraignment, uh, coming to trial. Um, you know, things. It, it, you know, that's I think the difference here. You can't just use this um, this photo that has a very specific purpose uh, to go out and plaster it all over. Uh, the media or, you know, Facebook. But I think in particular it's these websites that are um, just really, you know, doing something I think that's incredibly unfair to somebody who has not yet been convicted. 
Talking to uh, Marion County Delegate uh, Joey Garcia. That bill, by the way, is uh, 4621 if you're keeping track at home. Um, uh, what was the one? Oh, uh, vaccination requirements. Uh, yeah. That came through judiciary yesterday. Uh, you that... hit all three I had written down, man. Uh... <laughs> We're on the same page today. Uh, so that bill started out as uh, exempting students who are in uh, virtual schools, uh, but that was expanded mm-hmm. to include private and parochial schools as well. Um, where do you yeah. come down on that? Is that a good idea? They, they, I mean, these are private schools after all. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I think that, you know, uh, we often talk about West Virginia being last. And so in one category where we're first or very close to the top is the vaccination of our children and really making sure that a lot of these diseases like measles, mumps, um, that uh, that they're not spreading, we're not having pandemics in that regard, and so in 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 this case, uh, I think you know viruses don't know the difference between a public and private school, uh, and 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 so some of what was originally done in the bill related to public charter schools, and there was an exemption where they would have really interactions and extracurricular activities with children that were in public schools, and so you know I don't know that I like that bill either, just to be honest. Um, but but the difference now is you have this opening with uh, private schools, parochial schools, and there's the possibility this is just going to really uh, make another dent uh, or make a dent into uh, tearing down our immunization laws again, which are some of the strongest in the United States. I think that's something we should be proud of. Marion County Delegate Joey Garcia. Anything else on that list today, Joey? Oh, we could talk forever. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is this has really been um, something. But uh, uh, you know, ho- my hope is I will say this: um, I, I, there's still time to pass bills that I think really and truly help West Virginians. And the thing that I hear the most, not just from individuals and families, but from the business community and businesses looking to come here, is childcare. We need to do something, number one, to shore up uh, and help uh, provide for some stabilization for childcare facilities. And, uh, and we have bills to do that, that really um, that, that make little tweaks as to how subsidies are paid. And we also have a number of different credits that we're looking at that help individuals and families afford it. Uh, and, and to me, that's the number one issue. That's what we're hearing from the West Virginia Chamber. That's what we're hearing most from businesses who are saying, we, we think we want to come to West Virginia. That's what we should be spending our time on, not these red meat divisive issues. And, and I think, unfortunately, we're going to see more of that than we are the, the, the kitchen counter or kitchen table family issue type bills that we really need to see. Marion County Delegate Joey Garcia. Joey, hang in there. Just a couple of weeks left in Charleston. Hey, thanks, Dave. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. 945. When we come back, I'll get to some of your text. And uh, there was a bill that worked its way through the Senate, or at least through committee yesterday, that caught my attention. And I was initially again it, and then I talked to some sources, and I'm okay with it now. I'll, I'll explain next. Now back to the talk of the town. There was a bill that came up in the Senate Education Committee yesterday. 
That is, I'm trying to hit some buttons all at the same time here, so bear with me. Uh, Senate Bill 813. Senate Bill 813. And what it would do, it would allow students who play on their school sports team, their varsity sports teams, to play for a travel team in the same sport during the same time of the year. That bill passed out of the Senate Education Committee yesterday. Uh, that bill also would dun, 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 dun. that bill also would allow coaches who are say you are a basketball coach in the winter. This bill would also open up the door for those basketball coaches to instruct off-season basketball teams, for instance, just using basketball as an example. Um, the amendment would allow high school coaches to coach travel teams in the same sport as well. That's currently not allowed under the SSAC regulations. So when I first read this, my, my first reaction was, one, I didn't know this was a problem. Two, I really couldn't find an example, at least off the top of my head, of, all right, well, like AAU basketball is in the summer. You don't have a conflict there. Uh, Legion baseball is in the summer after varsity spring baseball is over. So I was missing how this bill would be applicable. So I reached out to a source, and he explained it to me this way, and I hadn't given any thought. Use the example of a volleyball. There are a lot of travel winter volleyball teams that play throughout the winter. And as he explained it, tryouts for those particular teams occur about the same time that West Virginia is in its postseason. So if you are a good team and you are a good player on a good team, varsity team, and you are preparing to play in the state tournament, you would not be allowed to go try out for your winter team while you are preparing to play for the state tournament. That would violate. And if you did go try out for that winter team, you could be barred from playing in the state tournament. You see the conflict there. That is that is a problem. And I didn't think of that. I hadn't thought of it because I thought of those being in separate seasons. But the overlap is really in uh, trying out the tryout period for those travel teams that are in the, in the off seasons of the regular varsity sports. So once I thought about it in that context, uh, it made more sense to me. I don't think it was articulated that well in the committee meeting. And also, I hadn't thought about this either, and it was pointed out to me during this conversation, the part about coaching, the fact, and I hadn't thought about it in this context, under the current regulations, you are telling somebody because of their job, they can't take another job essentially is what that regulation does. So if you are a all right picked on basketball, let's pick on uh, let's pick on I don't know, baseball. So if you are a varsity baseball coach, you cannot go instruct high school baseball players in the summer at any level or in any capacity. You can't be involved in any instructional capacity with the the Legion team or a Babe Ruth team. You can't. That's against the rules. So you're telling somebody because of their job, you can't take another job. When you put it that way, all right. I'm okay with it. I started off again, but I'm okay with it from that context. I really don't think you have this huge overlap. At least I can't think of one off the top of my head where 
the the star basketball player will have to choose between playing varsity and AAU. They are they're at different times of the year. Same with baseball and varsity baseball and Legion baseball. There there are different times of the year. There's no comp for football, but there are overlaps when you have tryouts for those travel teams that are in the off season. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm okay with it from that vantage point. I will take a step back and tell you I would prefer the legislature not get involved in regulating high school sports, but that's where we are. All right, back to wrap things up right after this. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. Well, we covered some ground this morning. Renaissance Academy. Several bills down at the House of Delegates. Got a full show coming up for you tomorrow as well. Uh, Michael Sims, candidate for judge here in Montague County, will or is scheduled to join us. Hoppy Kirchwell is coming up next. He is in the belly of the beast this morning. Talk line from the capital of the great state of West Virginia. It's coming up next right here on WAJR. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.